Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. It's time for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. A very good Thursday to you. Already June the 17th, summer is flying by. And I hope your summer is doing quite well. Appears to be a hot one. It appears to be a hot one in the uh, in parts of California, 126 degrees in Death Valley. So that's that's pretty warm. And even if it's a dry heat, that's still that's really hot. Okay, I, I went to Vegas one time and it was 115 degrees, and everybody's like, "Yeah, but you know, it doesn't really feel like 115 degrees because it's a dry heat." Oh no, it was terrible. It was it was really bad. And the hotel we stayed at, the the pool was like bath water, and on one end was all college students getting all drunk, and on the other end were families. It was kind of weird. You know, Vegas can be a little weird at times, but I love the town. Anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, much to get to with regard to Joe Biden and the G7 summit and his meeting with Vladimir Putin and uh, not getting anything in. Accomplished and kind of embarrassing America on the world stage because he isn't altogether there. Just not all there. And yesterday, he actually snapped at a reporter. He snapped at a reporter. And, you know, sometimes old people can be grumpy. You ever seen that? You know, like Grandpa Simpson every once in a while just bark at, you know, and yell at you. Well, and he does that. Well, here he is. Here he is snapping at a reporter's question. Confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President. There we go. Yeah, I'm not confident he'll change his behavior. He's talking about Vladimir Putin, by the way. What do you do all the time? So, when did I say I was confident? I said, said, I said what I said was, let's get it straight. I said, what will change their behavior is that the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world. I'm not confident of anything. Just stating the fact. Uh, CNN White House correspondent Caitlin Collins, by the way. Given his past behavior has not changed, and in that press conference, after sitting down with you for several hours, he denied any involvement in cyber attacks. He downplayed human rights abuses. He even refused to say Alexei Navalny's name. So how does that account to a constructive meeting as president? In other words, uh, Mr. President, you didn't uh, make any uh, many room with regard to uh, Vladimir Putin. He's just going to continue to bully you. President Putin, president. You don't understand that you're in the wrong business. It's a summit with China. I think he also called her a whippersnapper. What, what is a whippersnapper? I never understood that. A whippersnapper. Somebody who snaps a whip. Whatever. Whatever you're into. I, you know, it's you know, none of my business. Jeff Zellini of uh, CNN uh, appeared yesterday and talked about how he's never seen a president more protected than Joe Biden. Before getting on a plane, as you know, all of the really images and the narrative from this summit is set. He wanted to take that off the table. But we have seen uh, President Biden do that frequently. What we've not seen him do is answer questions uh, like that without his aides screaming at him to stop. <laughs> I have never seen a wow. president covering the last four of them who is so protected by his aides in terms of uh, often not wanting him to answer some questions. That is uh, bizarre. 
uh, you'll recall that Donald Trump would literally go over and and confront the press. He, he didn't. He approached them and he confronted the press because they were always attacking him. About I think ninety six percent of the time, the stories about Donald Trump were negative. Whereas the uh, the the press gives Joe Biden a tongue bath every day, and Joe got a little snippy because uh, you know he got a little difficult question that wasn't you know what's your favorite ice cream, which is what he normally gets from the uh, the sycophantic um, uh, American media. Here is uh, Senator Rick Scott uh, talking on Newsmax about uh, Biden's problems. This is on uh, Spicer and company. He went in with no plan because what he wanted to do is be, hey, I'm the president, okay, and I had a meeting, but he didn't say, oh, gosh, maybe at the end I want to make sure something happened. He didn't have, he didn't go that far because what you would do is you'd start out by saying, like you just said, Sean, what was our purpose and what's our goal? And look, you have- There was, it was just to arrive. Have meetings and sometimes you don't get your goal. But you have a plan and you are honest. He needs to start being honest with American people about all these issues. He is getting nothing done. He's had this job, what, for five months? Nothing but bad things have happened. You know, the, the border. Been in the store lately? There's still a crisis. Our Filled your car with gas lately? Schools are still not open. I mean, you look at what's going on. Inflation has picked up like crazy. Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, he's not solving a problem because he's not addressing the problem. He just wants a title. And then, of course, there's the border. Uh, you know, this was his first overseas trip. He's always touted his foreign policy experience. What grade would you give him if you had to give him a grade? He's been wrong about everything for 50 years with regard to foreign policies. He's always on the wrong side of history, including he didn't want to go after Osama bin Laden. On his trip. Well, I mean, so far you'd have to give him a D. I mean, because, no, I mean, what Oh, happened? we can do better than that. We can do better. Yeah, if I'm thinking. Happened. I mean, it's, it comes down to, it's real simple. What good happened? Why did you take the time and spend the money and do this for no purpose? What what has come out of this? The only thing you think about. It, I think it was probably the continental breakfast that he was really looking forward to. He doesn't get that at the at the nursing facility he uh, retires to at night. Oh, this is interesting. Federal judge in Louisiana has blocked the Biden's administration's suspension of new oil and gas leases on federal land and water, claiming the administration provided ready no rational explanation for the ban and did not follow the law in executing it. In other words, it was just a, a political payoff to uh, Big Green. Uh, it was a giant payoff to them. Uh, this is what Democrats do. They go after uh, fossil fuels, even though uh, there are no jet airplanes that uh, fly on solar power or wind power. And they drive around in big SUV caravans that uh, are not electric. Anyway, Judge Terry Doherty of the Dowdy, I should say, of the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Louisiana. Uh, Tuesday blocked the administration from enforcing the moratorium. He said the suspension violated the Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act and Mineral Leasing Act, which, I mean, I just, it's on my nightstand. I read it every day. It's just incredible. Uh, two laws designated to uh, to affirm the federal government's intent to achieve energy independence using U.S. resources. Why not? And Donald Trump was able to do that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Dowdy's decision came as part of a lawsuit filed by a coalition of 13 Republican attorneys claiming the administration had unlawfully issued the order. And he did. They did. Yeah. Yeah. The judge said millions and possibly billions of, of dollars are at stake, local government funding, jobs for plaintiff state workers and funds for the restoration of Louisiana's coastline are at stake. Plaintiff states have a re- reliance interest in the proceeds derived from offshore and on land oil and gas lease sales. In other words, this would crush industry, individuals, kill jobs, just like the Keystone uh, XL pipeline. And it's all just to be vindictive. Just to be vindictive, to be quite honest.
He added in the ruling that the moratorium should be struck down because it provides no rational explanation in canceling the lease sales and in enacting a pause. And by ordering the pause, the government was taking actions contract to the law. So, uh, no, just, you know, you can't just be doing that. You just can't be doing that. It's not legal. You know, we are in a dictatorship where you can just end thousands of jobs with the stroke of a pen like you did with the Keystone XL pipeline. And I don't think any of those workers have been retrained and have green jobs yet. In fact, I'm pretty sure they all pretty much are still out of work. Morning consult poll said that 74% of Republican voters said they support the efforts to conduct a state-level review of the 2020 presidential election. 45% of registered voters said they support the effort to review the election results when factoring in the much smaller percentage, 23% of Democrats who support the efforts and 40% of independents. Additionally, a majority, 51% of Republicans said the reviews would uncover some type of information that will change the election's outcome. Um, We'll see. We'll see. In other words, guys, you know, there's something to be said for 2,000 sworn affidavits saying that people saw election fraud. There's something to be said for the battleground state shutting down voting at precisely the exact time and then reopening the following day with ballots being heavily, sometimes up to 100 percent for Joe Biden and zero percent for Donald Trump. If this were a Democrat who lost the election, Democrats would be going bananas, bananas. So, oh, are, are you going to buy one of Hunter Biden's artworks? Yeah. The uh, art gallery in New York is predicting that Hunter Biden's last venture as a full-time artist, latest venture, I should say, will prove to be profitable with his art selling significantly over its actual value because of his family alone. This comes from Breitbart, by the way. Now, he's already working with a Soho art dealer who reportedly has some ties to China, George Berger. Berger is expected to hold a private viewing displaying the uh, president's son's work and will hold an exhibition in New York. In the coming months, prices for Hunter's artwork range from 75000 to a half million dollars, which I said yesterday is uh, making him one of the most expensive artists in the history of uh, the world right now. Right now. Alex Acevedo, who is the owner of the Alexander Gallery in Midtown Manhattan, says, I've been in the art business since 1956. I'm not impressed with modern art at all, but I was floored by that guy, he said, describing the palette as wonderful and adding that he would buy a couple of them. And nobody who buys it would be guaranteed instant profit, Acevedo explained, suggesting the Biden name will have a play a hefty role in the prices of Hunter's pieces. Imagine that, selling the Biden name, uh, you know, to uh, you know, China or uh, the Ukraine. Crazy, crazy, crazy. He's the president's son. Everyone would want a piece of that. Well, I think a lot of people have had a piece of that and uh, not too good, not too good. Acevedo told the Post that Hunter's uh, pieces would uh, typically have a range of 25000 to 100000 but his family name <laughs> plays a significant role in the price point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Said some of his works could go possibly for a million bucks. His remarks coincide with the news that uh, 51-year-old Hunter is laying low in his Los Angeles home, maybe because he's embarrassed to be alive. His book sold about 10,000 copies. Uh, and I think most of them were actually sold to uh, staffers of CNN. I, and I don't know about that for sure, but I think Brian Stelter bought one for everybody on staff. He just thought it was really, really good. Really, really good. So, <laughs> uh, think about this. Come on. I mean, really, really? And I mentioned this yesterday, and other people are echoing this. This is a money laundering scheme, okay? This is a million dollars goes into Hunter Biden's uh, bank account. The, the person remains anonymous and, and gets the art and probably throws it into a dumpster outback. 
So there you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh, by the way, finally, Christopher Ray got a little what for uh, in a congressional hearing yesterday about what happened during the Capitol insurrection. That was the worst thing in the history of the of the world since the Civil War. No, it really wasn't actually because it wasn't really an insurrection because nobody had any guns. But anyway, uh, Representative Paul Gozar destroyed serial liar Chris Ray. This, according to the, the Gateway Pundit, demanding answers of the government's official execution of Ashley Babbitt. Here are a couple of the exchanges. Director Ray, can you confirm that nobody arrested for the involvement in the January 6th riot has been charged with the crime of insurrection? Uh, sir, as I, as I think I said in response to one of your colleagues, uh, sitting here right now, I don't believe there have been... Then why are there people still in solitary confinement, sir? Correction charges in any of the indictments so I, far, but I, again, with 500 cases, I, believe, I want to be sure I, that I... I believe you're right. Yeah, and, I agree. People are being overcharged. People are being held in uh, in solitary confinement as political prisoners of our government. So now switching gears again. Director Ray, do you know who executed Ashley Babbitt? Uh, no, I don't know the name of the person. Okay. This is outrageous. It is very simple to find this officer's name. It is very simple. You've got thousands of people working in that building. Everybody in that building knows who the officer was. I'll bet you everybody in that building knows who the officer was. So for the head of the FBI to say that he doesn't know is absolutely absurd. The Federal Bureau of Investigations, he could snap his fingers and he could get that name in two seconds. So do you agree that Ashley Babbitt, Babbitt was unarmed? No, I really can't weigh in on the facts and circumstances of that case. As you may know, I know she wasn't armed. Are you kidding me? That was investigated by the uh, D.C. Metro's Internal Affairs Department with the DOJ. This is passing the buck. Civil Rights Division, by the, the way. Attorney's Office, and the FBI well, was not it's, it's, it's investigative agents. Yeah, it's a disturbing. The Capitol Police officer that did the shooting actually appeared, appeared to be hiding, lying in wait, and they gave no warning before killing her. Question again, why hasn't that officer that executed Ashley Babbitt been named when police officers around the country are routinely uh, identified after uh, a shooting? Comment on that case. It's not one that we've been directly involved in, so I really can't agree or disagree with your characterization. Sounds good. Oh, nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. Here's a little more of Representative Gozar and uh, Gozar the Gozarian. I think, no, that's not him, uh, with Christopher Ray. Do you approve of lethal force against unarmed citizens, particularly a 110-pound woman with no warning, no use of... No, uh, no use of non-lethal force prior and while laying in wait. Not going to try to answer a hypothetical, especially one based on a case that I just... It's not hypothetical. Actually, it wasn't really a hypothetical. That's actually what, what had happened. Uh, changing gears again. Director Ray, the FBI released se several 30-second video clips of suspected pipe bomber seeking the public... Oh, yeah, the pipe bomber. Remember that? ...help to identify him. Two of the video clips begin and end with a suspect already in the middle of the frame. You know how long the suspect pipe bomber was there and which way he exited, but you have withheld that information from the public. The FBI is in possession of the full tapes of the pipe bomb suspect and knows far more than the public about potential identifying details. You have begged the public's help in identifying this pipe bomb suspect. You even offered a $100,000 reward. Why have you not released the full tapes if you're truly intent? In if you really want to find the guy, you can, you can tell where, what he's wearing, the way he walks. Uh, there are other things you can get from the videotape that could uh, nail this guy real quick. To leverage the public's help. Will you commit to releasing the full tapes to the public immediately? Uh, no, sir, I can't make that commitment. I'm very careful about making sure that we protect the... Sir, why are you even here? ...the integrity of the ongoing <laughs> investigation, and when we share information <sighs> with the public while asking for their help, it has to be done very thoughtfully with regard to both 
the solicitation for assistance, as well as, again, Washington, the, of the integrity of the ongoing investigation. Washington, D.C. needs to be drained. It needs to be drained. Donald Trump needs to resume his work to drain the incredibly, incredibly, incredibly corrupt government. This is kind of interesting. Are you working at home? My wife worked at home for, I think, around six months. I didn't see the top of the dining room table for six months because all of her office stuff was in there. I work from home now, and I love it, love it, love it. But data by Castle Systems shows that New York City, L.A., and San Francisco have the lowest returns of staff to the office. So people are saying, nah, I'm just going to go ahead and stay. I'm going to stay at home. Dallas, Houston, Austin, Philadelphia, Chicago all have more staff swiping their cards to get into offices, by the way. Now bosses on Wall Street and in tech firms like Facebook are telling people who left major cities for smaller ones they can expect pay cuts if they don't come back, if they don't come back to work. Kind of interesting. I think part of this has to do with uh, the big cities that are uh, people are not returning is that they have been subjected to the worst lockdowns and also just the use of fear by the mayors in charge of these cities with regard to COVID. So I could be wrong, but usually I'm pretty right, actually. Usually I'm pretty right. One thing that's gone up dramatically around the country is uh, shoplifting because uh, police departments are being pared down. Officers won't come to your property or your business for simple theft. They won't do it. This was the case um, with a Walgreens in San Francisco where uh, a man, maybe you saw this, he brazenly shoplifted a giant bag of stuff, then uh, put it on a bike and, uh, and rode out while the security guard actually videotaped it. And apparently, uh, Tony Dokafil, of co-host of CBS This Morning, appeared to defend the man for doing it because it was stuff that he actually needed, you see. You can steal if you need it. Just watch the brazenness. He puts the bag on what appears to be a lift bike. Oh, wow. Look I at that. that was Tries the ground. Nope. And out the door he goes. So at a recent meeting, Walgreens officials said thefts at its San Francisco locations have risen to four times the chain's national average over the past 12 months. They've also had to close 17 stores in the city over the past five years, largely due to the impact of thefts on their business. Wow. So crime is never justified, of course. I, I, it, I, I will say that. I think I, they could have made a little better effort to stop that yeah. bicycle. I mean, you yeah, I would have knocked him right off the bike. Could have disrupted oh, that bike. But maybe there's know. I mean, if the guy's I don't doing know if the guy that, was armed. Well, yeah. the, the, you never know. And I think that there has been a movement in some uh, retail locations to not put people's lives in jeopardy. Right. Yeah. I them. mean, you don't need to be a hero armed. over, you know, some toothbrushes or whatever it is. But should the security guard be videotaping when there's a woman videotaping right next to him? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're a security guard after all. You would think he could at least try to approach the guy. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's, and also, why did you let him in the store with a bicycle? With a bicycle. <laughs> that was my first thought. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, that, that reads also as an act of desperation. I mean, you're, you're yeah. not getting yeah. rich off of what you take from a Walgreens, you're getting probably something you need. Uh, I don't know the details of that particular well, he, case. Oh, yeah. in that case, just take it. When Bag crime, full. It looked, they look like hair products. I yeah, that's what it says. It was hair, hair products. Which are valuable. Which are valuable. So, yeah. And he's filling his bag full of them. Well, I guess it's okay. This is uh, life in 2021, ladies and gentlemen. Life in 2021. Here we are. Wow, the death of civility. The death of civility <sighs> happens every single day in the country. In the country. Greg Kelly had uh, Elise Stefanik. She's now the uh, uh, one of the most powerful Republicans uh, taking over Liz Cheney's position. And uh, here she is talking with Greg Kelly about the media throwing softballs at Joe Biden, which they do. 
He has been completely protected by the mainstream press uh, to the point where he has done so few press interviews, so few press conferences that he gets so easily rattled when there are very fair questions. And compare that to the media's coverage of President Trump, uh, how critical, how biased it was throughout the four years of the Trump administration. We are seeing a stark contrast with how the media has really treated President Biden with kid gloves. Uh, they continue to sweep the multiple crises he has has caused under the table, whether it's national security crises like in the Middle East or whether it's the border security crisis along the southern border. So the, the fact that you have both the White House press office and the president complaining about press coverage, <laughs> come on, uh, Republicans just stand in our shoes for a day. We're dealing with a biased mainstream media 24 seven. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And if you if you look at the number of stories that were uh, negative about Trump versus the number of stories that are negative about Biden, uh, it's almost laughable. It really is on, almost laughable. The uh, the DNC is a, an arm of the press and vice versa. It's uh, it's just uh, it's kind of miserable. And you look at the failings of this this president and the suffering that is taking place around the country, especially at the border, especially at the border. Uh, if you were a real journalist, you'd ask about it. Here is Marjorie Taylor Greene, another congressman, eating a reporter alive uh, in a conference when uh, the reporter attempted to compare uh, Chinese citizens living in America to uh, the Communist Chinese Party. The China virus, you suggest that it's a bioweapon. There's no evidence of any of that. And we're also in the middle of a spate of attacks against there is evidence of that. You're just not paying attention. Asian Americans, aren't you just feeding that? Uh, pretty irresponsible. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you're not going to turn this into something else. This is a virus that killed all kinds of people. It had nothing. It has nothing to do with anyone's race or ethnicity. It has nothing to do with any of that. So no, not at all. I love it. Yes. Let me, let me follow up. Oh, sure. Listen to this. Let's be real clear about something. I'm very disturbed that you would even ask that kind of question. Oop. Chinese Americans are not necessarily members of the Chinese Communist Party. Understand that the Communist Chinese Party rejects virtually every provision in what is known as our Bill of Rights. Recognize that the Chinese Communist Party does not believe in the kind of republic Woo. that we believe in. And for you to associate the Communist Chinese Party with Chinese Americans, as you have done. This is uh, what they call taking somebody to the woodshed. I would submit is egregious and wrong. But with respect to bioweapons, Marjorie Taylor Greene asked a really good question. Now, I serve on the House Armed Services Committee and on the Science, Space, and Technology Committee. Ask yourself, America, this question. When we talk about gain of function, let's be a little bit more specific about what we're talking about here. We're talking about a dangerous virus. Wow being changed so that it is much more communicable, meaning people are much more likely to get it, and or it becomes much more deadly. Now, why would any country, wow, why would any country do that with a virus to make it more contagious and make it more deadly, if not for militarization purposes? And if you look at the Communist Chinese Party's background and its relationship with the military, it leads you but to one logical conclusion. In other words, duh. Yeah, pretty much duh. Pretty much duh. Uh, Grant Stinchfield had some very thoughtful uh, comments with regard to Joe Biden meeting with Vladimir Putin and getting nothing accomplished and uh, broadcasting weakness. The media's skepticism didn't play well with Joe Biden. 
Why are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President? Yeah, I'm not confident he'll change his behavior. What the hell? What are you doing? Here's Grumpy Joe. So when did I say I was confident? You I said, said in the next six I months said, what I said was, let's get it straight. I said, what will change their behavior is that the rest of the world reacts to them and it diminishes their standing in the world. I'm not confident of anything. I'm just stating the fact. That's his frustration from a bad meeting, a bad news conference, a bad presidency. Not confident in anything? Just what you want to hear from an American president, yeah. right? Way to go, Joe Biden. If only <laughs> some of that anger was shown to Vladimir Putin, a man who sees himself as the world's strongest leader. He doesn't care what his standing is with the mm. leaders of those G7 countries. Nope. He looks at them like I do. What do we call them the other day? A ministry of pansies. So while Joe Biden talked incessantly about Putin's feelings, <laughs> the Russian president offered up this assessment. And remember, it was Russian cyber hackers that virtually took out our energy infrastructure on the east coast of America. Uh, the U.S. sources claim that the majority of cyber attacks are made from the U.S. territory. You see what he said? He just blamed the United States. He took no responsibility for the cyber hacks that he most certainly controls. And he most certainly could find the people who did it and bring them to justice in a big hurry. But we don't have a president who's demanding that, unfortunately. Uh, Grant went on to talk to Marco Rubio, Senator Marco Rubio, about the Biden-Putin summit. Well, I, we weren't in the meeting, so I don't know what came up, but I can certainly tell you this, a couple things. There's no doubt that Putin believes, based on his previous interaction with Biden and watching American politics, that Biden is someone he wants to test, that he wants to muscle. I mean, he, he, he's, this is a trained intel, uh, idea, ideological operative, uh, a psychological operative, I should say. He's a trained intelligence officer. So he knows Biden and he sizes him up. And I, I think he was probably hoping to either two things. I think Putin was hoping to get him one-on-one -on -one without staff, getting him to agree to some things. And I think he was probably hoping to get him in a joint press conference where he could sort of say things that make uh, Biden... And get Biden all confusing and everything. ...comfortable. Um, you know, given what we've seen recently from the president, I think it's probably a wise choice to not put him in that situation. Yep, yep. And also, um, Marco Rubio talked about a list of Joe Biden gave Vladimir Putin of uh, 16 infrastructure areas that Russia definitely should not attack, which essentially painted a target on all of them. I talked about the proposition that certain critical infrastructure should be off limits to attack, period, by cyber or any other means. I gave them a list. If I'm not mistaken, I don't have it in front of me, 16 specific entities, 16 defined as critical infrastructure under U.S. policy. And Putin says, thanks for the list. We'll work on it. From the energy sector to our water systems. Senator, I'm baffled by that. 16 entities. Yeah, How about, I guess I mean, don't go after any American entity. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so I guess, you know, if you're a small business or a mid-sized business and you get wiped out by a Russian hacker, that's okay, as long as you're not a water plant or a utility company. Yep. Look, I, I don't, that was an unforced error. I don't know, I hope he really didn't give him that list. I think Putin's going to wave that list around and say, hey, it's not on your list. But, but the bigger challenge here, <laughs> okay. I think, for the country is we have to call this out for what it is. These criminal organizations operating inside of Russia, mm -hmm. uh, number one, Putin, if Putin wants them, he can find them. He can find anybody he wants. He's a former KGB guy. Of course he could. Russia, he can shut them down. He doesn't want to shut them down. But the second is sometimes maybe he's hired them to do this work on behalf of Russia. 
you know, because it provides them deniability. Well, it's not us. We're not the ones doing it. We'll look into it. We'll see what we can do. Uh And and that's one of the things that I fear about this sort of setting is when my 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 guess is that Biden was very tightly scripted. They had to write things out for him. They put things on a piece of paper. And then I think a guy like Vladimir Putin is going to take it and spin it. And he doesn't care about what the world thinks about Vladimir Putin. He's not trying to be popular in the world. Vladimir Putin wants to restore Russia to great power standards. Who wants to be? I, I wouldn't want to be popular in the world. Most of the world is run by despots. You're not there to be popular with them. If anything, you're, you're better off making them dislike you because it shows that you're being successful. That's what I think anyway. Here is uh, Rob Schmidt talking to uh, Mark Meadows, a former chief of staff of Donald Trump, talking about the sad Putin-Biden summit. Well, listen, the, the questions were certainly harder than what flavor uh, of ice cream that <laughs> Joe Biden likes. And, and, and what we found was 18 months of being in a basement and, and honestly not ask, answering a single tough question that when you get on the world stage, not only do you get hard questions from reporters, but you actually have to do the job. And what we saw today was that Joe Biden wasn't up to the task. He wasn't even up to the task of, of picking seven uh, pre selected reporters to ask softball questions <laughs> and he was not able to get off the stage without just having a meltdown. I mean, you know, he was tougher on the CNN reporter than he was on Putin. Yeah. And and sadly what what we see now is is that Putin is going to change. He's going to become a lot more aggressive because he saw the weakness of which uh, the the United States was portrayed today. It, it was yeah, a sad and by commentary. The way, by the way, Russia did uh, hold military exercises 500 miles off the coast of Hawaii, causing U.S. fighter planes to be scrambled because uh, Vladimir Putin is is poking at Joe. You just seeing how where the weaknesses are, you know, like the uh, uh, velociraptors do, you know, when they test the uh, the electric caging at Jurassic Park. I'm not saying that's real. It could be though. Anyway, here's a little bit more. Uh, Mark Meadows talking about Biden versus. Uh, well, this is about Biden versus Trump and foreign policy. They always accuse Donald Trump of what they're guilty of, and, and what we know is that that Joe Biden, the appeaser, the Joe Biden with the appeasement. Uh, policy is really at, at, uh, at full display on the world stage right now. And, and so when, when we start to see that, when we start to see We've got so many Neville Chamberlains right now involved in our government. Joe Biden, John Kerry, our new, our Secretary of State, all of them are exactly what that man was, man was in World War II going and saying, hey, we got everything taken care of with Hitler. It's no big deal. He's going he's gonna to abide by everything. You know, you got the, going back into Iran and, and rejoining the Iran nuclear deal without any expectations from Iran with regard to developing uh, nuclear weapons. See that they're giving away uh, a pipeline deal while taking away the Keystone Pipeline and American workers' jobs. Uh, when we see that we got zero yeah. in in response to anything that was was to be offered uh you know it it it's an f i mean uh, joe biden gets an f for uh, negotiating style and i can tell you when i saw donald trump on the phone with world leaders including the very world leader that we're talking about it was not a position of weakness in fact yep. oftentimes it was a position of demands he put america first he says if we'll take care of the american taxpayer the hardworking uh men and women of America, then we'll negotiate. What we saw today was Joe Biden just basically saying, 
if you pretty please, will you uh, not attack any of these 16 things that are on my list? <laughs> Here's the list. Don't attack them. Whatever you do. Vladimir Putin, the guy who puts, uh, you know, plutonium in people's tea and kills them. Sure. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> Rob Schmidt also talked with Senator Roger Marshall about the Democrats' attempt to steal elections uh, in perpetuity, also known as H.R. 1. Here's some of what you had to say. I want to make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. Ballot harvesting makes it easier to cheat. Getting rid of voter ID makes it easier to cheat. That destroys the integrity. And Democrats know that. Of the election process. This bill, simply stated, is just another attempted unconstitutional power grab. Now, if you ask Democrats, uh, you're trying to suppress the vote. Huh. If you listen to CNN, MSNBC, you're trying to suppress the vote. And you're a racist, right? And Joe Biden said yeah. we're trying to re-implement Jim Crow laws with that kind of talk. What's your message to these people? Look, like I said on the floor today, we want to make it easier to vote and harder to cheat. I've yet to meet a person yet that can look me in the eye and say that voter ID is not a good thing. Thank you. I mean, what is the value of getting to vote in this country? Would you would you pay a dollar, twenty dollars, a hundred dollars? No, it's priceless. The opportunity to vote yep. is one of the greatest things that we can do. And when it's stolen, it's one of the greatest crimes one could commit. This republic, we need to value it. We need to keep uh, integrity to, in the election as well. So there, there certainly is some type of reasonable spot where we can have both of those. Yeah, yeah, but the Democrats are not being reasonable. This is pretty interesting and also terribly, terribly frightening. Starting with a fall semester, a college in Memphis, Tennessee, plans to charge students who have not received the COVID-19 vaccine $1,500 per semester as part of a health and safety fee. No, not really. This is actually uh, punitive, actually. It's punitive. Rhodes College announced that the policy in a student life letter issued last week in which it explained that the charge was intended to cover the cost of mandatory testing. Upon returning to campus, vaccinated students will be uh, subject to initial or regular asymptomatic testing, nor will they be required to wear masks or socially distance. These are people who have been vaccinated. However, unvaccinated students, listen to this discrimination, will be required to quarantine upon arrival, wear masks, practice social distancing, and complete weekly testing for the coronavirus. This is all punitive. That's why they're doing it. Also, depending on campus positivity rates, the later said, non-vaccinated students may not be permitted to participate in certain campus events and activities, including athletics, clubs and intramurals, and student organizations. If I had a kid in that college who was not vaccinated, I would say, you're going somewhere else. International students who do not have access to the vaccine will be herded, I mean, directed into the vaccine clinic when they arrive on campus. Rhodes College Vice President for Student Life, Megan Wyant, said that while testing was free for students in the spring semester, the college expects students to get inoculated as more vaccines become available because, you see, it was free, but now it's punitive. And now they're forcing kids to take the vaccine, whether or not they want to take it. Oh, Brian Stelter's show is really sucking wind. The ratings of CNN's reliable sources plunged to their lowest level of this year, this weekend, even as the host Brian Stelter continues to dedicate every episode to criticizing the credibility of Fox News and Newsmax. In all, his shows have lost 72% of viewers since its high point on January the 10th. Wow, wow, wow. The new Nadir uh, came one week after Stelter all but begged White House spokesperson Jen Psaki to tell him how his network could better conform its coverage to the Biden administration's talking points. That is true. That is true. 
Uh, people get it. Okay, people people get it. This is um, pretty remarkable. Stelter had to pay the cost of his own uh, network's lack of credibility during a disastrous appearance on C-SPAN last Thursday, where people called up and chewed him out, said, I can't watch you, I wish I could, and MSNBC, they are worse than CNN. One caller said, Mr. Stelter is the biggest minister of misinformation I have ever heard, and I'm a news junkie. This is according to a piece in the Daily Wire. Now, this is an interesting interview that is not getting a lot of play. Eric Clapton talking about his vaccine experience. And I thought it was kind of important to hear not only what happened to him when he took the vaccine, and this is not uh, an endorsement or or an encouragement to not get the vaccine. It's your decision. I don't care. All right. But this is what happened to Eric Clapton. And he said that he thought it was being politicized. And he also lost friends over his sharing the fact that he had a very bad reaction to it. And I, t- and, I t- and I went and had the jab and I got a little green, like a library card. And I thought, well, that's, that's what I'm going to show the people when I get on the plane. <laughs> it's, so, um, there's a lot of funny stuff about it. And, and within, a, within several hours, I was shaking like a leaf. And uh, I went to bed early and I couldn't get warm. And I, did, and I thought, I'm running, am I running a fever? I was boiling hot and sweating and then I was cold. And I had I, I was out for the count for about a week, and and I had been preparing for um, a project where I was going to be playing acoustic guitar with a couple of musicians, and we were going to film it. That week knocked knocked me out, and I had to start again from scratch. And uh, and I was okay, uh, but but it wasn't it didn't come off as well as I would like to. And it gets worse, actually. Here he is talking about his kids being brainwashed. That I ran into somebody. So I said, well, here's my number. We stopped, swapped numbers. He was on Telegram. So I contacted him and he told me about a, a channel where I could find uh, lots of information and a lot of support. And so I, I logged on to that. There's a chap called Robin Minotti who, who runs a channel and it's for anybody that's concerned or is looking from in my case looking for support for me i'd felt so alone up until that point i really couldn't talk to my family and my kids my teenagers were it seemed like they'd been brainwashed and and there was a lot of that there's a whole lot of that going on guys going on from from other um when your kids turn against you i mean seriously uh, they're being propagandized. It could be about the vaccine. It could be about uh, many, many other, a myriad of other things in public education right now. This were happening earlier. They were really... Critical race theory. It was the first time I'd seen my kids passionate about anything, and I thought it was great, but I was being ostracized. Uh, and, and I could feel that everywhere. I, could. I feel that um, actually a lot. Since I came out of the closet as a conservative... As a conservative talk show host, you see, everybody knew, all my liberal friends knew I was conservative, but I just never had a platform, and they find that to be troubling. Many of them have said they never want to have me in their homes again. And my thoughts on COVID, my thoughts on uh, vaccinations and whatnot, uh, while they are not way outside the mainstream and not conspiratorial, but based on fact, hasn't convinced them to uh, reinvite me into their lives. Here is Eric Clapton talking about the second vaccine he got, and things got really bad. I probably shouldn't have had the first jab, but then I was offered the second. And I thought, well, what have I got? What's the point in, you know, stopping now? 
So I went and had the second and that, and then it got really bad. And I, within about a week, I had lost, my hands didn't really work. Whoa. Were, I suffer from a condition already called peripheral neuropathy, which is nerve damage pain, really, which means that, you know, I can get numb or pins and needles. When I had the second jab, that was, it's, and they do say that condition, by the way, is progressive and it's incurable. So I had expected it to be, it's manageable. I expected it to be something that would gradually grow worse as I got older into my 80s or whatever. But always, you know, I could get some ice pack or whatever, it would be fine. This went ramped up from, on a scale of 10, say, from three to eight or nine. Here is him talking, and this is Eric Clapton, also known as Slow Hand, one of the greatest guitarists to ever play the guitar, talking about he lo losing his hands. I lost the use of my hands uh, for about three weeks. So I thought I was um, in real wow. trouble. Uh, wow. And that's about that point. I just um, I was invited by Robin Minotti to talk about it because, it, and it was easy um, to say yes, because I, I, I realized that, that I may, I'm definitely, by then I realized I wasn't the only one that was suffering adverse reactions. And, uh, and, and, and you know, I, I wear, I can't touch anything cold or hot. I have to use these, otherwise my hands will begin to burn and they'll stay burnt all day. Wow. Whether or not I'm, I have gigs to do in the autumn, I know maybe vitamin D will help. Uh, there's not much else that does. Can you imagine uh, a man who does what he does for a living, losing the use of his hands for three weeks? Uh, here he is talking about how uh, the virus has become political, and it has been. It is a political virus. There is no doubt about it. And and that extends to uh, a lot of different areas, including uh, treatment of the virus. Uh, I could go on and on. In, in, with all of this exposure to the polarization of the politics and the medicine and the science, I found it very difficult to be... Uh, neutral, uh, because I've seen scorn and contempt from both sides, and uh, and I get caught in the crossfire a lot. But I, I'm not going to. I don't really feel um, uh, educated enough to know uh, enough about either of these areas. So I'm talking today on behalf of people like me uh, who may have been maybe lost, maybe need to hear someone talk about it. There have been censorship on a, on a variety of issues, whether that be certain drugs that could be used to treat the disease, but also to censor any negative reactions that people have to the virus. That has been actively censored on uh, the mainstream media and also on big social media. It has. There is no doubt about it. Here he is comparing this entire COVID and the reaction from media and the reaction from friends to George Orwell's 1984, oddly enough. I got a funny feeling, you know, and uh, bit by bit, it's it's that, and to see her celebrities, especially what really got me was ethnic minority celebrities guilt tripping their own community. That hmm. broke my heart and made me so angry. I have a lot of friends in that part of the world, and uh, to see them preyed on like that, it is it's just. So there we step, that's where it steps into sadism for me, the, the photographs of the people on buses with masks on saying, don't let their sacrifice be in vain. Phew.
That's bad. That's bad. It's, it's very dark. It's very dark. It's victimization is what it is. I was reading 1984 all through this. And, uh, and there's something he says. He says, how do you have full control over people? And he said, fear. He's whoa, 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 whoa. Imagine that. And what have I said broadcasts fear everywhere you go? When you have to wear a mask. Over people. And he said, fear. Mm-hmm. He said, no, not fear. Suffering mm-hmm. is how you get full control over people. And that's what it's come to. Mm-hmm. 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 Finally, Eric Clapton talking about how his uh, dearest friends aren't calling anymore. I, I, I agree that it would, there would be. I, I've tried to reach out to fellow musicians. Sometimes uh, they don't. I just don't hear from them anymore. I, my phone doesn't ring very often. I don't get that many texts and emails. Anymore. Yeah, me too. It's, it's quite noticeable. You it know? is. Yeah. You know, just that since you started speaking out. Yeah. 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 Association. If your friends unfriend you for your politics, they were never your friends in the first place. That's what I think anyway. This is pretty good. You know, a lot of people who live in America, including members of Congress like Ilhan Omar, trash America constantly. Yet the American people are some of the most benevolent people in the history of the world. I've said this before, and no other country can you see a walk, a run, a car wash, a charitable auction every weekend in hundreds of locations to help people who are less fortunate, people who are ill, people who have passed. It is an amazing place that we live in. I've, I've done hundreds of these events. I've done walkathons and I've done 5Ks and I've done turkey trots in Washington, D.C. We give and give and give. A new report on American philanthropy released this week revealed that charitable giving in the U.S. reached record levels last year. In spite of an economy that saw paychecks slashed and unemployment surging, the annual Giving USA report published Tuesday revealed that Americans gave a record $471 billion to charity in 2020. According to the AP, the Giving USA Foundation said 2020's levels beat 2019's record of giving at $448 billion. Guys, $471 billion, a half a trillion dollars was given by individuals and corporations to help other people in this country. So get off America, in other words. This all came as the U.S. economy contracted 3.5%, the worst since 1946, and tens of millions of jobs were lost, leading to nearly 15% unemployment at the spring of 2020. We're good people. We're good people. We've gone and fought and died on foreign shores to free other people. No other country does that. We stayed after the war and helped to rebuild the country's And every weekend we give and we give and we give and we create charities. I've got a friend who's got one. It's called Friends in Service of Heroes. He's just a guy. He he works in the food industry and he he created this because he knew that uh, a lot of people, a lot of uh, service members come back from war theaters uh, with PTSD. And so he gifted them with service dogs. And then he started doing motorized wheelchairs, which cost $18,000 for service members who've lost the ability to be mobile so they can enjoy the great outdoors so they could go hunting they could go fishing they could go off road instead of just on sidewalks and up ramps it's pretty cool friends in service of heroes is the name of that and that's going to do it for the show today did you have fun kids i had fun the show is growing by leaps and bounds eight no 900 percent last month 900 percent last month 
You guys have been absolutely wonderful. I hope you find this show to be uniquely entertaining. I hope you also find it to be fun because there are a lot of opinions on the, the media and in podcasting. This isn't just about opinion. It's also about entertaining and informing and maybe even motivating you uh, to do good. I hope so. So, uh, guys, with that, I say thank you so much for watching or listening, I should say. I will be back here for a big old TGIF. In the meantime, God bless you. God bless the police. God bless our military. Remember Ashley Babbitt. And above all, don't catch the stupid. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details.